Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your Alt Facts for the Week. As always, I'm Chris Payne, here with Kevin Rutherford from the Billboard Charts Department. Hey, how you doing? I'm sad. Feeling maybe a little bit better than Jesse Lacey most days, but <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if that's saying much. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's just, that's just, that's just, I've been listening to a lot of brand new lately. Yeah, yeah. And it, and we're, it's, we're kidding. We, we like you, Jesse. Oh, we like you. And, and the album's, and we, and we album's appre- great. <laughs> and we appreciate the version of yourself that you've put out on this album, yes. which, we'll, which we'll get into, but is very yes. openly jarring. About Very you know so. about about real shit and uh, we're so fucking happy to have those guys back. Absolutely, it's 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 been a long time and I didn't know how much I needed it until it came out and listened to that. It was just like, geez, that's right. These guys rule. I kind of forgot, you know. And here they are. Not only is it a number one album, but mm-hmm. it's a fucking great album. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's always exciting when not just when a rock album goes number one, but like a good rock album. Sure. You know, not just like some rock band that's... Are you going to name a bad rock band? Well, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> but what, what, <laughs> I, I could, I'm not going to today. But like what I'm saying, I guess, is that like, you know, like a rock band that goes number one, but basically is still coasting on, you know, the success of like 10 years ago or something. Sure. And it's like... We don't need to name names. No, we don't need to name names. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and I'm not <laughs> even saying it's happened this year. It just that, you know, it's... It's nice when like a rock band hits number one on the War 200 and with an album that you feel like people might really still be talking about at the end of this year when we start making like year end lists versus something that's like, you know, the same old, same old. Yeah, I had a couple songs go to radio and they did okay, but by the end of the year, people are like, okay, well, what's next? You know, so that's kind of cool. And there is even a brand new song going to radio. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's a... It's called King, Can't Get It Out, right? Yeah. Can't Get It Out. I thought so. I was like, I, I, I can't read my writing. I had like a sitting here and I'm like, wait, oh, shoot. Yeah, Can't Get It Out um, got played at radio about um, around like 40 times last week, um, which uh, in order to make the alternative rock radio chart, you have to do about, about triple that in order to actually make the chart. But for the first week, it's pretty good. And uh a lot of it was coming from a station up in Rochester, uh, but there's a couple other stations playing around with it. A station in Philly played it three times, you know. A lot of it was like, you know, we're playing it once just to see what happens, but there are some stations that are really latching onto it, and uh, this wouldn't be the first time that they made the alternative rock radio chart, if they do, uh, but it'd be the first time in like 10 years, so 
that'd be pretty cool uh, to see. But but at the same time, you know, you think about alternative radio right now. What does it sound like? And does brand new sound like that? Not exactly. So that might be its downfall in that regard. But to see it on radio at all, it's good. Yeah, it's an outlier. But, you know, sometimes you have outliers catch on and brand new is, you know, super popular as we're going to get into in this podcast. And yeah, we'll we'll keep in touch with this one because this is very intriguing to me. The thought Mm -hmm. of a brand new song on the radio, maybe hit song on rock radio. That'd be cool. Even with all the commercial success in terms of album sales, downloads with this new one debuting at number one, success at radio was not even something that was on my radio. No. radar. I was not expecting that at all. Absolutely not. And I wasn't either. And uh, and that's why I was kind of surprised when I was you know creating charts this morning and I'm, I'm looking at, you know, kind of scrolling down below the chart threshold alternative and like hey there's the, What's there's the brand new song all right there we go you know it's always it's always really exciting when you see songs from an album you really like that you're like kind of not sure if radio is going to take to it seeing that pop up and this could just be a one week thing around the new album people are like you know like a station's like oh hey so brand new's got a new album out here's a song from it and then it just goes nowhere possible but uh i don't know but either way, uh, it's good to hear them back on the radio again. I'm sure some songs from uh, Daisy probably were played. They didn't make the charts, but they were played. So this will be the first time since, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, which I think hit, like, number 30. This is 10 mm-hmm. years ago. So it's been a while, for sure. And that's their best charting song. So if they do make the chart with this song, uh, number 30 is the, uh, the next the next barrier, I guess. And for those listening to explain this process to them, to kind of pull back the curtain, in order for an artist to get played on commercial radio, it means that someone from their team, you know, Mm -hmm. usually their label, made a conscious effort to work it to radio, to send the the single to promoters and say to them, here's our new song, please play that. So it is pretty interesting that brand new with this completely independent self-run label of theirs uh procrastinate music traders they made the effort to push us to radio yeah yeah absolutely because it's there's certain bands out there that you know you can they, they can put a new song and you know radio is going to play it no matter what like uh, let's say for instance this new 30 seconds to mars song that just came out you know there as long as this thing had a hook you weren't going to have to take there wasn't going to be a lot of convincing on the part of some of the biggest alternative stations in the country to at least play it a couple times, yeah. you know, uh, probably especially because they're, they're probably still playing the kill occasionally a couple times a week. So, you know, it makes sense. But someone like Brand New, not only have they not made this chart in 10 years, chances are people aren't playing, you know, Jesus Christ or something like that it, it, occasionally. Some station in Long Island that plays sick transit <laughs> I mean, once an hour. Maybe I see that's probably <laughs> not happening. And uh and yeah, for a band like that that hasn't made a chart like that in so long and hasn't really had a radio presence in so long, it can be it can be tough to um, to really get people to listen to you. Let alone if you're doing it independently like they are. So um, there's I'm sure there's a lot of hustling going on behind the scenes, um, and there'll have to be even more I think in order for it to really connect. Um, you know, like a, for instance, a station like I think I think K Rock out in L A played it once last week. And that's cool, and that's awesome. But like, in order for it to get played, let's say ten times at K Rock, I'm sure there's a lot that has to go into that. And there's probably a lot of convincing, a lot of you know, people do still care about brand new, and I think they can point to the album sales yeah. probably as one of those things. Like, okay, people are interested in this. That doesn't make the song a radio friendly song, 
but people are interested at the very least and you know it, it doesn't hurt to try it out so I think that's where I think that's where a lot of people are at right now it's like okay yeah sure let's try it out see how it does and uh very curious to see what it looks like next week if this goes up at all if like a station like the the alt nation station on a Sirius XM plays it more they played it a couple times I've noticed more recently that this isn't always true, but Sirius XM can be a tastemaker, especially mm. in the alternative. So if they really catch on to it, start playing it more, you know, who knows? Yeah, and this is a song where Jesse Lacey, the frontman, really just opens and bears his soul. Like mm-hmm. he sings about being manic depressive, and that's actually like you can't really call it the chorus because it's not exactly repeated, but like yeah. the, the climax, the the loud part of the song. Sure, yeah. And I think it's going to be just as the song ages and goes on, I think it's going to be something that fans can really latch onto is, sure. a, is a very just emotionally open moment. Very. In Brand New's discography. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, that's not something that you necessarily hear on on the radio a lot you know especially i think in the summertime you know people want some feel good brandy's ready for fall yeah i think so What's it like in the charts department? You know, you guys have been, you've had Despacito leading the Hot 100 for weeks on end. You've had some kind of lagging sales weeks of the Billboard 200 albums chart where nothing new comes out and sells enough to bump up, you know, Kendrick Lamar's damn just from the streams that it's collecting. And that just becomes the de facto number one. So does it surprise the hell out of you guys? And you're like, who's this band brand new? Like, what what is this? It certainly uh, certainly will surprise certain members. (laughs) And I don't don't want to, I'm not going to name names here, but I, I will say, you know, as someone who works in who listens to a lot of rock music on a weekly basis because I, I part of my job, you know, while I was kind of surprised that it did as well as it did, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, you know, okay, this makes sense. But then that means I have to explain it to people and be like, okay, well, here's why, you know, yeah, this is, this is, this is kind of shocking to people sometimes. Like when you see like, I mean, it's, it's always surprising when a rock band goes number one anyway. Like, like I've said, I think this year the rock bands have gone to number one are Linkin Park and Arcade Fire. Mm. These are, I would say, legacy acts, certainly Linkin Park and Arcade Fire even at this point is pretty, they're, they're pretty tried and true. You know, yeah. it'd be weirder if they didn't go number one type of things. And uh, yeah, when, when someone like Brand New pops, pops along and does that well, I, I don't think a lot of people in the department are always expecting that in the sense that if you are looking at like the upcoming releases and you're like trying to pick out okay what do you think is going to be the number one album you know this given week can this be a number one album or is again like you said like something like a Kendrick Lamar album just going to keep the number one spot because it has enough streams and sales and I don't think a lot of people would have pointed at this week and it, it, let's well, say no one if, knew it was a surprise album yeah and that's a big part of it and I think I think if you know, this has been announced like a week, a month before, let's say, and you were like looking at it and being like, eh, brand new, probably not. Uh, but even if like, but even on like a Friday, like or or Thursday or whenever the album actually dropped, it's still like kind of like ah, I don't know. But then if you look at the you know iTunes and seeing how well it's selling, 
pretty much constantly right when it comes out, then it's like, okay, well, maybe there's something here. Um, but uh, but I, th I think it was surprising to some people, and I think it was also surprising in the sense that it's, again, an independent album. And there aren't physical copies. You know, this is all digital for now. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, I think if you think about it, it's like, okay, this first album since 2009 this is a band that a lot of people like. Their star might have even really grown the legend grew yeah, yeah for sure and it wasn't out on streaming at first so you couldn't couldn't listen i couldn't like wake up on friday morning and listen to science fiction i i think it was like sunday maybe when it finally yeah and just on. out of nowhere for for yeah. the first few days fans really had no way of knowing if they were ever going to be able to listen to it for free mm -hmm. unless you know some friend sent them a leak or that was probably going to be yeah, like the streams were getting taken down really quickly. Sure. One that was out there early was just one continuous track, not divided into twelve tracks. So mm -hmm. the the leaks are super unreliable. Basically, the only way yeah. you can really hear it for real for the first few days was to buy the digital download. Exactly, and that that really helps. That always really helps. I think whenever something is only for sale and isn't streaming, you have to seek it out that way. Um, and that certainly helped as well. So all these factors combined, it's like, okay, when I saw that preliminary number, it was like, okay, that's really good for them. But you think about it, and it's like, okay, well, this, this makes sense. This isn't, this isn't super surprising. But until you kind of consider all those uh, variables, you look at brand new number one on like the building, you know, preliminary charge, and you're like, oh, really? Brand new? And I think the... The same was, I think, said about Neck Deep, who put out an album same mm, day. On the podcast last week. Yeah, yeah. And then this one debuts at number four on the Billboard 200. I think that's another band that mm. a lot of people were kind of surprised with the sales of. I mean, it did very well. And um, with Neck Deep, I think it's more of a matter of, you know, they just got this pretty sizable building fan base. They're still on their way up. Like, I don't think they've hit their peak in term commercial peak and they're yet. from the uk as well yes. too so i'm sure proportionally whatever they sold here it was even better in england yeah yeah i haven't looked at the england numbers yet but i'm, I'm sure you're the right. uk they're from wales so we oh should, we sorry should, the we uk numbers I, I will be <laughs> always forget that's right It's exciting to see uh, albums like this go number one. It's as an all independent album. It's the first number one we've had this year that's like an independent album. We had, I think five last year, and one of them is like someone like Metallica. Um, so big acts in a lot of cases. And so it's always cool when an independent album goes number one that's like this. It's like really just truly like this is the band is distributing this and kind of directly to the consumer in a way like it's, it's cool i like it yeah explain to that for for listeners who might not be super familiar what does independently distributing an album mean what are some <laughs> of the challenges that a band like brand new faces and putting out an album just on their own like that yeah so it's most most acts are signed to a, a major i shouldn't say most acts a lot of acts are signed to a major label 
And once you're, when you're signed to like a major label, like a label like a Warner or something like that, you get the you receive the spoils of that this huge multi-million or billion dollar record company corporation handling it all for you. And uh, as you get into smaller labels, there's less less manpower to to do all this. So because of that, you know, an independent album doesn't really and this is independent this isn't just like you know someone like brand new who put it out on their own label this could even be like a very small indie label that's making you know mostly releasing in let's say indie rock music um but so so you've heard of the label but it is still an independent label and it's tough for for small the smaller you get the tougher it is to you know really get your music out there in terms of promotion um and all kinds of things so like getting spaces in a store like Target. Yeah, that's that's a struggle in itself. That's a big thing. Yeah, it's it's tough to to get to like some of the big box retailers and stuff like that. So because they have a lot more challenges to overcome, it's kind of in the this, uh, similar to like the radio conversation where you've got you know a big major label signed rock band can put out a song and someone sees like what label it's on, it's like okay, yeah, sure, you know, this is a big label they've got a lot of people doing radio promo for them so it's not as tough as you doing it by yourself let's say it's not nearly as easy so um yeah all that combined um it was definitely i'm sure an uphill battle for them but uh the fact that so many people were hyped for this album certainly helped for them so can you think of other rock bands you think might be able to pull something off like this come out of nowhere it doesn't even have to be a surprise album per se but just shock the hell out of everybody by selling way more than anyone expects and getting a number one album yeah well you and i were discussing two big ones both harder rock bands in this case uh the big one's tool because tool hasn't put in an album since i think it was 2006 yeah when 10,000 days came out and no music since nothing i mean like they tour constantly and they're not even on streaming yeah, they're not even streaming. So, and there's just a massive cold fan base. I mean, I saw it firsthand seeing them headline uh, Governor's Ball in New York, which is just sort of like a normie alt EDM music festival. And that yeah. day when they headlined, it was just taken over by Tool fans. Yeah, massive. Absolutely massive. I mean, and yeah, what helps with them is the fact that, again, they have continued to tour. So they still have a very strong, powerful fan base. But yeah, they haven't put out music since then. And the fact that, like you mentioned, yeah, they're not on streaming services. So there's there's an appetite for Tool music that is almost a little different than a lot of other bands because like you can't you can't just like log on to Spotify and listen to a Tool album. You have to really seek it out. YouTube.com. Yeah, or YouTube.com. Right, <laughs> as as I have done. Oh, plenty, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, whenever I like want to like listen to the pots because I, I I left my like my CD of 10,000 days, like back in Ohio many years ago. So I don't have it with me. So I'm like, whenever I want to actually listen to that, I have to go to YouTube. But anyway, um, yeah, that, that's like a big thing. Cause it's like, okay, when this album does come out, cause they're apparently are working on it. Every so often they'll, every like three months, they'll give an interview where they'll be like, yes. <laughs> yeah, we're like 80% done with these, uh, baselines. And you know, yeah. well, after that, I think we'll, you know, Maynard James Keenan will release one more like variation of his wine, and then yeah. uh, 
Another, then, then, then maybe that. Then the album will be ninety percent done. Then maybe you'll see it. But then I'll put out two more Pusifer albums, and like <laughs> yeah. it's just it'll never end. But but yeah, once this does come out, the chances are. I mean, there's, there's been no indication otherwise that it will be a physical only album. So that's going to drive it even more. So if that, and I think even if even if it does end up on streaming services, which again just seems very unlikely given just how tool has been so far with regards to streaming services but let's say it is it's still going to do very very well and uh i don't really know i don't really remember what the sales were like in 2006 but that's the thing you can't really they have no we have no barometer no idea they yeah. haven't put out music in the streaming slash drastically reduced physical sales age exactly so we have nothing to really guide ourselves by absolutely not yeah so so they're they're the big one and i think another one is someone who actually is on streaming services but hasn't put out an album in about the same amount of time system of a down who tours a lot less if at all you know sometimes i think they there was one year recently where they just played basically i think one show all year you know they're not they're not really going out on tour and you know still selling out these huge arenas or whatever they're, you know, they 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 come and go. I, I'd say, and the, but the the, I think the um the appetite for a new system of a down record is also very, pretty sizable. Um, because they kind of went out on top when they put out those uh, hypnotize and mesmerize. Those were, those albums did very well. I mean, shoot, you heard system of a down on like top forty radio with that because of like BYOB and I think um, Lonely Day also. Maybe not super high, but the, I do remember like when I was like 16 years old turning on the pop station in Dayton, Ohio and like they're playing System of a Down. That was weird. That's something that you can't even like fathom today. La, 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 la. Everybody's going to the party Yeah, and very much like brand new. I would say I am a little bit more familiar with the Tool situation, but I would say it is more or less inevitable that the album will come out at some point, mm-hmm. but it could be at any point in the next you know, five years. And that's sort of like what the situation was in waiting for this brand new album. Since yeah. two, three years ago, we knew a final LP was coming, mm-hmm. but... We just had no idea when. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I have a feeling of those of those two we just mentioned. I think Tool is one's more likely to kind of have a, a similar rollout in the sense that yeah, you don't get like an advanced single. Like I could see them just being like, "Well, it's here. We did it. Here you go." You know. Um, and if because it came, they don't need it, a single, and if it so. came out that way, not on streaming, the only way you can hear it is like a digital download. Man, it's it's I it's so tempting to theorize what it could do. I think it could top six figures. It could you could do six figures first. Uh, yeah, with them, I agree. Yeah, I think they could do six figures. Maybe even like you know the two hundred k. Like I, I just God, that would be so that crazy. Would, wouldn't that be cool? That would make but... it in like the top five of sales weeks that year. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like maybe maybe I'm overplaying this because I just like I think I you know because I'm in the rock world and I'm just like people talking about tool all the time, but. Yeah, they, that doesn't go on streaming. I mean, like, I just, in the fact that we don't have a real barometer for success because it's been so long, who knows? That, that thing could really, really, really sell well. I mean, it's certainly going to sell well no matter what. 
So I know you're working on a piece for the charts vertical of Billboard.com about brand new. So shout that out and shout yeah. out your socials, Twitter handles, so people can find you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm working on a story. It's it's nothing crazy. It's just you know some a couple chart facts maybe that you didn't know about brand new because there's they go back pretty far. You know, 2003 was their first charting album. Um, so we're gonna kind of delve into some of that stuff. You know, talk about okay, well this is when they first made the charts. This is uh their radio success back in like the mid 2000s because they had some. Here's what it was. Um, and that sort of thing. So if you're a brand new fan, um, by all means, you know, check it out probably up Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, surfwax 83 on Twitter is where you can find that information or just at billboard because I'll tweet it too, but uh, I'll tweet it eventually when I remember to, cause I go, I just keep forgetting. I'm like Twitter. I'm always at Twitter open, but sometimes I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's right. I need to post that story. I did. Oops. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bad journalist. I, I would make a terrible freelancer right now. Let's put it that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Hell yeah. Thanks for coming by. Uh, thanks for having me. Let's, let's, let's stay happy and get through these next few days of heavy brand new listening. We can do it. I think we can. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, so we are jumping into the second interview on this podcast. Happy to welcome to the show... Um, Music writer extraordinaire Marie Sherman, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Totally, yo. I am, I'm always down to talk brand new, and uh, you're one of my favorite people to talk brand new with. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this album. Yeah, absolutely. I've been thinking about it a lot. I, I assume everybody else, <laughs> everybody's out on Taylor Swift duty or something right now, thinking brand new. So I think a good place to start off for people like us who are just about to nerd out a lot just tell me about how you first got into brand new and introduce how you became a fan of the band yeah um so i think for a lot of people in their mid to late and also early 20s i guess just their 20s um emo pop punk that sort of genre the and the hybrid line between the two is kind of the music that we grew up on that was kind of the the popular alternative music especially stuff coming out of new jersey and long island is where my heart was set um i was actually a big taking back sunday fan which i guess is the unpopular opinion uh in, in the taking back sunday versus brand new lifelong rivalry um but it was really their third album the devil and god which i guess is kind of a 
like a cult favorite now that really got me into the band. And then, of course, I went back and listened to the more sort of classically emo stuff with their first two albums. And uh, I've just been very interested and curious about them ever since. I think they are one of the more interesting bands of that time period and the fact that they have such a longevity and then such a loyal fan base and and, de- and like super dedicated fans is is intriguing to me. So I like them because I like their music. I grew up with it. And also I think they're doing really fascinating stuff, both musically and as just, uh, I guess, businessmen yeah. is, is, a, is, a weird, is a weird way to say it. But yeah. They have a number one album and it is the first independently released and distributed albums go to number one in 2017. So they are accomplished businessmen. Yeah, and that's great. And I would think, like, I, I I wouldn't know as much about the charts as you do, but I would imagine that's kind of uh, an accomplishment that's normally for, like, hip-hop artists or something or pop artists. It seems even weird that that would be, like, a rock band sort of, sort of motive. Yeah, and, like, the, and for the sort of rock band that normally does it, for instance, Metallica did it with their last album, Hardwired gotcha, to Self-Destruct. Okay, that and that was... Yeah. You know, a band with obviously a massive amount of success to support a self-released distributed album. But um, yeah, so brand new, killing it these days. So let's talk about this review that you wrote for NPR Music. This one I thought was really interesting. You t- touched on a lot of interesting stuff. So just first off, like, what was it like sitting down to review an album like this? An hour-long album with so much to dig into. What's it like writing about brand new? Um, I don't think I'm alone in saying kind of exciting and also equally infuriating uh, because there's such limited information about it, which I assume gives you the opportunity to sort of uh, dive in as a sort of uh, blind listener. Um, I thought it was really well, since I wrote about it for NPR, that was also kind of new because you think of NPR. It's not it's not kind of they don't do a lot of like emo sort of music stuff. So it was interesting to have to explain sort of their place in history, um, which I assume everybody had to do. And and that can be challenging, too, because you want to use the like emo word, but you also want to talk about how they're doing something that's different from your sort of classic like even the taking back sundays or whatever of the early 2000s how they're doing something that's a little bit more uh i think they were to use this um uh, plasticity i think they're doing something that's a little bit more malleable it's more it's a little bit more indie rock uh there's a lot of like genre things that are happening um and i guess just kind of trying to figure out when when all this happened where the album came from i know like uh in my understanding it was that they announced the this limited edition vinyl edition that sold out, but nobody knew what it was called or how many there were or anything. And then two days later, 500 kids are getting a CD. Um, it's it, yeah, it's just it's strange to try and put the pieces together. I, I mean, you wrote about it quicker than anybody. So <laughs> what was it like for you? It was especially intimidating because there was it was yeah, I wrote about it. It posted like late the next morning and knowing how intense brand new fans are online like growing up reading absolutepunk.net and like knowing what the fan base is like I was like shit if I get stuff wrong I'm gonna hear about it and it's not gonna be pretty (laughs) (laughs) there are brand new scholars out there on the internet that is for sure yeah so you were telling me just before we started this podcast, and I'd love to hear more about your research for the review and digging into some comment sections. You were finding out about some conspiracy theories about this brand new record. 
Right. And I think that like the idea of conspiracy theories are just trying to like put the pieces together because Brand New are a mysterious band. I think mystery and like rock and roll have gone together since the dawn of rock and roll music. Um, but the way that they do it is very interesting in particular to the, and, and, and works well for their fan base. But I, yeah, I was just trying to figure out um, kind of in the last couple of years since Brando started playing shows again, kind of on and off, announcing their breakup and then kind of going back and, and saying that this new album was going to come in 2016 and it didn't. Um, trying to figure out what, how did we get to science fiction in August 2017? And eventually that led me uh, reading a bunch of like Reddit posts and like weird conspiracy theories, a lot of comments on alternative press website. Um, and when the album dropped, a lot of people trying to figure out what certain like lyrics mean. Um, I feel like frontman Jesse Lacey is painted as this sort of unknowable genius. Um, and le- almost like it's weird to think that this record has like some Easter eggs left for fans to find. And I, I do think that's true. Um, for me, when I was listening to the record and kind of thinking about whatever little mysteries might lie within its text is um, I was focusing mostly on how the album started and be- and ends simply because if this is supposed to be the last chapter in Brand New Story, um, how are they bridging this narrative? I feel like they're a very good band when it comes to sequencing. I feel like all of their records, especially the last three, Daisy included, um, it, like, it, it tells, it, there's, like, there's like a clear through line, I guess. Um, and, and one thing that I found that I was very interested in is at the end of the first track, uh, Lit It Up, um, there is this sort of reversed vocal take that happens. And I was trying to figure out what it was, but obviously I don't, I'm not a sound engineer. I'm not a producer. I have no idea how to isolate vocals and like slow them down or whatever. But thankfully people on the internet, our brand new fans, our producers can do this. And I, um, there are a couple that I found really interesting. One guy said that um, if it's Lacey, if it's somebody else, the recording is testing once disc five, you will be cured tonight. Um, like here tonight, we're kind of seem doesn't really sound like a brand new thing to me. That seems like My Chemical Romance or something. But if it is disc five, that makes sense because it's the fifth disc in their discography. Um, another one is Testing Mark, If Sad, You'll Be Glad Tonight, which kind of also doesn't totally seem brand new to me. But I like the idea of like the tonight being a through line and a lot of what these fans think that he's saying. Almost like the end of If This Is A Day, This Is end of that um i realize this like <laughs> this all sounds a little bonkers but i like the idea of people trying to figure out exactly what brandy were trying to tell us and then there's so much on like all the themes about heaven and hell and all the things that kind of go back to the devil and god raging inside me so that was my <laughs> long-winded way of, of exploring that and this is only like touching the surface yeah there's so much out there yeah and with these themes of closure like First off, do you, do you think this will be the final brand new album? I think so. Um, I think, I don't really know if they have anything left to say. Yeah. And if they did, I feel like maybe they would think it's, I mean, if you take eight eight years between to like have a family or between the last record and this one and like to have a family and just like kind of grow up and play shows when you want to, it just seems like it's time to kind of call it quits. And I have a lot of respect for bands that kind of set their own expiration date. I feel like that means you're never creating something to appease anybody. And maybe that's part of the reason why this album, if it is the end, is so great. Where do you think the last show will be and what do you think it will be like? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Do they announce all their dates yet? They announce dates through the end of this year, like North American theater club kind of shows. 
But as far as right. I mean, the the T shirt and the on stage sign that they have been showing, where it says "brand new 2000 through 2018," you know that would imply right. that stuff's happening next year, presumably final shows if this is it. So there's a whole 12 months left to work with here. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I guess I didn't really consider that. I mean, in my heart, in my allegiance to geography, I would hope that they would do it on Long Island. But part of me thinks it'd be really cool if it was at that. um, You've probably read this, too. But when the album was originally sent to 500 fans as a CD, it was labeled with this longitude latitude. That was um, the Devil's Tower. Yeah. Oh, that would be that. in Wyoming, it would be cool if they went to Wyoming and played at this this weird location that they had teased a year prior. That would be really interesting, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Yeah. Oh my god. Or if 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 like Jesse Lacey is listening to this, you just gave him a huge idea right there. <laughs> it's just like a sca- a scavenger hunt, leaving leading fans to specific a specific coordinate on the Devil's Tower where Brand New plays their final set. I'm here for it. I also like the idea that it's in Wyoming. I think like the like a really beautiful, desolate place. I think that would be really cool. That would be fitting for the album. It's a very expansive sounding album. Might as well do it in Wyoming. Yo, now now if their final show is just at some venue in the state of New York, we're gonna be so underwhelmed. <laughs> that is true. That is true. It's like yeah, we're playing uh, Madison Square Garden. Whatever. Bye. <laughs> Which they they've oh. already played they they co-headlined that with Modest Mouse so even if uh, they uh, they closed out by you know if, if they wanted to play the biggest venue in the tri-state area and they played you know Madison Square Garden it would still kind of be something they've already done right yeah and it doesn't seem like they're in, very interested in in repeating <laughs> in any way which i think is kind of um it kind of speaks to their success a little bit i think like a lot of bands especially that kind of grow up in like emo world they're dependent on a certain nostalgia to remain sort of relevant or or to remain like i guess um lucrative and and brand new like while they do have that like sort of loyal forever uh, allegiance. I do think there are a lot of like younger, uh, brand new fans who will like view this as their record, or or I don't know. I think it's it's a lot more than just I like this in high school, so I'll like this forever. Because I don't think people would be as dedicated if it was as simple as this sort of nostalgic thing. Yeah, totally. So the the only thing that really does make me hope it is some, at something like an MSG is just so the most kids can be on hand. Or I say kids, <laughs> you know what I mean. So the most, yeah. so the most diehard brand new fans possible can see them say goodbye that's what i want but if it's in the middle of a field (laughs) (laughs) anyone can go to that if you get to wyoming i bet you have to drive to get there but other than that you'll figure it out so in going through like reviews for this album or just going up and down twitter or looking on forums like you've done it's pretty clear that a lot more people now are into brand new and they're sort of uh they're not just ostracized out to you know absolutepunk.net alternative press like they were when we were first getting into them so what has it been like for you taking this all in and just seeing just across the board all critics being down with the new brand new 
It's interesting in a lot of ways, because I think, and, and we've talked about this, like, for many years in our friendship of uh, sort of this, like, new generation of sort of, like, young emo fans growing into these positions, and we're kind of, like, gatekeepers in our own right, and are willing and excited to talk about this music as something that shouldn't be marginalized as juvenile, but something exciting and worthy of criticism and, and real thought. That said, I do think there's something about brand new that even in, like, I think, especially, like, even after, like, the devil and God had some, like, breathing room, I think that's when people started to notice there, this is something bigger than um, songs about wanting to kill your girlfriend or whatever. Um, but with this album, I, I think it's been, like, a slow growth. I don't think it's specifically this album. But, and, and yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm still trying to work through what's different about Brand New, because I agree with you in that I feel like there's more space for this. I mean, heck, I wrote about Brand New for NPR. That wouldn't have happened in any other year on planet earth um, but i don't know it's interesting i think maybe it's because people are sort of now recognizing their places just in really incredible rock band a really incredible influential rock band yeah and i think a lot of it is just as simple as the kids who were really into them when their early albums came out now have become adults and are of working age and are like professional writers and editors. I think a lot of it is just that simple. Whereas back in 2004, the people who were in those positions were at their youngest people who grew up with 90s rock and just were like, oh, the Warped Tour, oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, people who just like, for the most part, only knew how to respond to it with a bunch of negative cliches. Right. But I also think like a lot of music that's formative for you in adolescence, sometimes you kind of lose track of because it does feel so adolescent at a certain point. But like brand new is kind of grown with each album. I think there is a lot of self-doubt and self-deprecation on science fiction. But I think it's a sort of like matured late in life family guy. Not, you know, like dad, <laughs> dad, dad is what I mean by family guy. I'm sort of looking at sort of situations and not ignoring their younger selves or or sort of like their like emo days but growing from them and paying allegiance to them i don't know i just i i, I just respect i respect this record in a weird way yeah and i mean like let's be real there are lyrics on your favorite weapon their first album that i'm sh that we grimace when we hear them now and i'm sure totally. i'm sure they don't feel proud of them when they hear them back Oh, absolutely. And the fact that they probably have had to play them live as adult men, it's probably not the most enjoyable experience. But uh, they're kind of not stuck to that. They are appreciative of it, I'm sure. Um, I feel like they kind of are setting an example of how to kind of grow up from that sort of heyday and continue on and be the sort of successful thing. Number one record, man. Like, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. Totally. Yo, so um, I'll shout out the article one more time. Uh, check out Maria's story on, on uh, NPR. The title of it that you can Google is uh, Brand New Again. Science Fiction is a Self-Revival, or just Google Brand New Review NPR. Maria Sherman, it's there. Maria, shout out your Twitter handles and really anything else you're working on you want to tell the people about. Uh, oh, man. Um, well, there's a lot of exciting stuff, but I can never talk about it <laughs> just yet. But you can follow me at, at Maria Sherm on Twitter.com. Yo, for the people out there, you know when, when uh, Five Sauce LP3 drops, Maria is the one to go to with the takes. 
Oh God, when is that gonna happen? Like October is their month. It's, I, it's been a freaking year. You're telling me. You you would yeah. know better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll we'll reconvene when that time comes. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, yeah, that is the show. Yeah, I've loved Brand New since I was in high school. They were honestly one of the bands who just show me what real fandom is, show me what obsessive fandom is, and show me what it's like to just take these artists and make them so much of your identity and what inspires you. And that's a lot of what got me into writing about music. So it's pretty insane working for Billboard now on staff and being wrapped up in a week like this of watching the brand new album drop out of nowhere get really into it and then see it become the billboard number one album so this was an absolute treat doing this podcast i hope you guys enjoyed it for future podcasts you know we are a weekly billboard.com rock and alternative music podcast every thursday more or less we post on billboard.com to make sure you get it every week you can subscribe to the show head on over to itunes or just go into the podcast app on your phone search for hashtag alternative facts all one word, that's the name of the show. While you're there, drop in a review. That helps a lot with getting more attention on iTunes and stuff like that. And just helps me hearing feedback, what you guys like, don't like, what you want to hear more of on the show. Just let me know in the star rating and write in your little review right there. Super helpful. And uh, keep up with the show. You can follow me on Twitter. At plane is the handle. Or just search for... Chris Payne, C-H-R-I-S-P-A-Y-N-E. I'm the first name that comes up. So follow me there. I'm always riffing on just stuff I'm into, things that are coming up with the show. Say what's up. I pretty much always write back. And that's pretty much all I have for you guys right now. So we have an exciting podcast coming up next week with an artist who I've been into for a long time, who I've had on one of my podcasts before, whose album recently came out, and... um. Don't want to mention them by name just in case something happens because the interview has not happened yet and never want to put these things in stone because, you know, shit happens. But uh, I'm pretty excited about who I'm talking to in a couple of days, and I'm pretty sure that will be next week's, next Thursday's interview on Alternative Facts. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.